upside down. <laughs> I'm leaving okay. that in. I'm you can. I want you to. <laughs> All right. When I die, I'm avoiding the white light. Last time I was blinded, set down a tunnel of disparity. When I was 19, I was sitting on the top bunk of the bunk bed I shared with my nine-year-old cousin. There was a gap in the ceiling between the rooms. You could see the fan going around and around and around. It was a Brooklyn brownstone, railroad style, so the rooms were all connected. These two rooms were separated by the room dividers you find in those furniture stores overpacked with furniture. 25 bedazzled bed frames I could never afford. 50 different lamps with no genie. Three wishes I've never been granted. Instead, I'm surrounded by 75 mirrors all reflecting different parts of me. My eyes clenched tighter than my fist. I couldn't. I wouldn't. I won't see myself. Holding my breath, I count to 100. When I open my eyes, I'm trapped in a fun house. It was supposed to be fun. This was the house that was supposed to save me. Three minus 18 equals negative 15 years I've been running. Emancipated myself off the Long Island. 18, I packed my bags full of baggage. I took the train to the trap. The smell creeping through the crack was crack. Cook crack. Nauseated, petrified. I was fried like an egg on a concrete sidewalk in the summertime. That's the recipe for how a rose emerged from the concrete. That's why the chicken crossed the road. A riddle I didn't fiddle with. Knock, knock. No one's there. It was the familiarity that scared me. Why did it feel so familiar? Flight of flight kicked in and I froze. Lost in a daze, transported back to a time I don't remember. When I flash forward, here I was sitting crisscross applesauce, a more political term to make the liberals comfortable. Gentrifying how I sit, where I sit. Rosa Parks for kindergarten. Colonizing Indian style, my style is native. Indigenous toiling, I've always known. Stripped from who I am and sent on a boat, blindfolded, cruising around in a circle. Around and around and around like a ceiling fan. Till we land on the land we just came from. My head tucked into my back and I'm back on Turtle Island. Land of the free, home of the brave, but I'm not free and I'm trying to be brave. But Master doesn't like my strength. So I'm beat off beat because they got no rhythm. Snack, crackle, pop, rice krispies in a bowl full of wick milk. And they're mocking me. I know why the mockingbird sings. The blindfold falls off and the light forces its way in and now I'm an African-American 80s baby sitting here with crack in my nose, not up my nose like cocaine, wondering why I knew what I know, how I knew what it was. It was the white line that brought me here. Red line crushed and snorted, I should have been aborted. But instead I went towards the light, hoping for a better life. Sent down the tunnel of disparity. I went left when I should have went right. Like a morph to a flame, like that meth to my mother, I was delivered. A junkie. Crack baby in the 80s, locked up in an incubator, surrounded by white lights connected to wires with needles in my veins, and I'm cold. Oh, she was cold to leave her infant daughter and her two sons chasing her next high. And it's all my fault. I was chasing shiny shit. What a bitch. Chasing shiny shit. Silver spoons in the mouths of the high and almighty. Silver spoons heating up crack, pushing to the veins of blacks, now they're high and mighty. You call them crackheads, I call them yogis. Leaning towards the floor, defying gravity with an inch of space between their heads and the ground. Out of space, we're not from here. Alien to a race, I was racing. I was running from the darkness towards the light, and I was birthed into an endless loop of disparity. It's not a galaxy. There's no gravity, no air. I'm trapped here. 
an endless loop of disparity around and around and around like a ceiling fan. Railroad and now I'm hiding in the tub, man. A suburban Jezebel running through the concrete forest, knock knocking babies out like Harriet. A riddle I didn't fiddle with. Knock knocking, no one's there. A fatherless child, a bastard, illegitimate bitch, raped and molested, afraid of drugs, addicted to sex even when I'm celibate. Who am I fooling? A mother, mother, and fatherless children just like my mother. Meek, a junkie, high off life, scared of crack, meth, and marijuana. But I love shrooms. A connection I couldn't fathom. Looking into a mirror of a mirror of a mirror of a mirror. There was me. There was me. There was me. Often girl meets ancestors. Ancestors connect her to she. She is goddess, warrior, African, not American, native, indigenous, in style. All praise to the most high. You're not high. You're not your mother. You're the great mother. You are light. Don't chase the light. Make a right. Turn nirvana. And now I know why my mother did crack cocaine and meth. It was her right. She didn't go left. It was her path to Nirvana. It was her path to Nirvana. Around and around and around like a ceiling fan. Until you make it right, you are the light. Make it right to Nirvana. Knock knocking. Sad boy. Sad boy makes me sad because he doesn't believe in love. I'm overflowing with it and he won't even soak up the crumbs. Sad boy is the drain in my sink. The faucet keeps running, but he sends me down the pipes, lost in the underworld, traveling to unknown places. But I just want to get back to you, sad boy. Sad boy won't open his heart. Sad boy won't accept mine. Sad boy blocks my love and boomerangs it back to me. Sick girl is sick of you. So sick of you. But she won't turn cold. Sick girl is sad of you. Sad of you being a sad boy. Sad boy has fun with me. But when the night is over and the day has come, sad boy disappears. Sad boy doesn't text back. Sad boy doesn't text first. Sad boy pretended to care and sick girl actually does. Sick girl cares. Cares too much for you. Sick girl questions herself. Sad girl wipes tears from her eyes before anyone notices. Sad girl remembers these feelings. Must be deja vu. Feeling like I already dreamed of. Happy at times when she was happy girl and he was happy boy because when sad boy is with sick girl, sad boy is happy and sick girl is healed. But sad boy is sick of happy because happy is scary. Happy boy is scary. Isn't that sad? And healed girl isn't sick until she got bit by scary boy. Scary boy is contagious. Now healed girl is love sick and sick girl is sick of love or the lack of. Scary boy went boom and vanished. Sad, scary boy could be happy boy, but he is gone. And sick girl is left recovering. When sick girl is healed, sad boy is back. Sad boy is back. What should healed girl do? Does healed girl let sad boy get her sick again? Sad boy looks happy. Sad boy is happy when sad boy is with you. But when sad boy is not, sad boy makes healed girl sad. Then healed girl gets sick. Sick and tired of the bullshit. You're the first boy I got happy at. So now I fight for my happy back. Sad boys need to go to therapy. I'm pretty sure you don't like me. And you could tell me how naturally beautiful I am, but something just ain't there. It just ain't there for you. And now I'm unsure of where I'm lacking. Maybe it's the fact that my naturally beautiful face is just not naturally enough for you. Because what you want to see is penciled in eyebrows and watercolor skin, and I'm just so confused on what's in. One minute it's cool to be pencil thin, as in body type pencil thin. 
dictated and shaped, erased and traced, eyebrows penciled in, lips lined with number two brown pencil, sick from the lead, misled, put down, never to be read again. Now we'll use the magic markers cause that number two pencil is just too thin. The linear arch is just not quite right and everything's not enough. You gotta add this and that to your skin. Brow powder airbrush cause that's just what's in. You rather I walk around advertising a 64 pack of Crayola mix and matching every color in that crayon box. But I like to claim that I'm naturally brown, skin shaded caramel. And I'm probably speaking the wrong language. Let me see if I can find a translation. You know, Bobbi Brown Luminous Moisturizing Foundation, Warm Natural 4.5 Contour with these nuts, followed by a light dusting of what the fuck? Ruby Woo Lips Puckered and Untucked, Elizabeth Arden Ceremony Cream Blush and Pink because how could you see me naturally blush with all this mush pile face beat for the gods where we forget that we're goddesses? Now I'm squeezing into trainers cause my waistline's not thin enough. And I'm expected to have a cinch waist occupied by two 48 ounce milk jugs. Just like my new boobs with no bra and a bad back, I just can't keep up. Can't keep up with the fact that you'd rather see a big fake ass and my tits in my throat because visuals. Because visuals have become more important than the rest of our senses. Oh, how senseless it seems to me to have a big ass that doesn't jiggle. Because my teeny tiny butt, oh, that natural jiggle when I wiggle. Oh, what a sight, what a feeling. But we're not into that. We're into photos and slow mos because we've been slowed down and fast forwarded, dumbed down and spoiled, and I just can't keep up. But you all like that shit. And I'm pretty sure you're afraid of some real shit. Cause like trends at all phase, like tattooed eyebrows, I'm sticking around to see what they'll have you looking like next. Cause y'all are beautiful, but I wish I knew what you really look like. And I'd probably be shocked to know I never saw you. But y'all don't like me because I'm a visual that's simply me. But I'm impressed by that hat trick, where you pull 36 inches out of a bundle and call it yours. Change everything about you and call you you. <laughs> and I'm all for improvement, but when you start adding caution tape and do not disturb signs, it's just way too much. What happened to chapstick tweezers and noxema? And I heard history repeats itself. What you gonna do with that fat ass and fake tits when thicks out and thins in? What you gonna do with fakes out and reels in? Hopefully they'll like you when my natural ass is in. Grab a drill and a saw and take out what you went so hard to put in. Oh no, cause they won't like you then. And you'll be busy chasing the next trend. And I know it sounds cheesy, but why touch what God already put his paintbrush on? A masterpiece you should be pleased with. Eyes, ears, nose, mouth, thick, then who cares what's in? You could paint skin, nip, tuck, and fill in, but the lines etched deep within is worth more than gold. So let your soul glow, no bronzer. After 27 years and 10 months, I never thought whether or not I love my mother. Now I'm here, 28 years old, not being able to answer that question. A question that never crossed my mind. How could I love a stranger? It's been a month of conversation, mostly painful. Not to my piercing heart, but antagonizing my eyes. No tears, no signs of them. Not dry or red, but strained because of all the times I find myself rolling them. I wish it didn't have to be so strange. Wish it didn't have to be so strange when you hug me and tell me you love me. How strange is that? How strange is that, the fact that I'm taller than you, I grew up and grew past you. I'm more mature than you, classier than you. Now you wanna hug me and you're so eager to kiss me. Oh, you need, you need, you need, saying the same line, your mother needs a hug. And somehow this has all become about you. Everything I've been waiting for, all my past fantasies, wishes, desires, it's all here and it doesn't seem like a reality. I secretly wish you'd done this sooner because I needed you, but I'm your redemption song, and you call me your baby, and you're so proud because of what I got. 
Oh, my daughter has a car. Oh, she has her own place, a good job, and you admire me, but I wish I could admire you because I had to do all of this without you. And I'm not bitter and I'm not mad, but I've waited so long, it's sad. It's sad that I'm numb to this. I've been alive half your life and you don't know me. That's roughly 30 years. That's 27 birthdays, Christmases, Kwanzaa's, three graduations, a pregnancy that you've never been around for. I've missed you even though you've never been there. In 60 years, your greatest accomplishment isn't me, but the fact that we're speaking. And now you wanna tell me stories about what you've been through and who you are. You told me about how you're a fighter and I can relate to that. But the only thing that's different is you used your fists and I used my will. I guess that's why you keep explaining that you had no place to put me. You're so proud that I did things that you couldn't do because you had nowhere to put me. Because you've been hopping from hotel to motel, from room to street with two babies, what would you do with me? You explained about the first time you got high, that time was with your sister. She was the popular one and you were the loner and you ranted and raved and all the stories throughout your life all seemed to be the same. Crack this, meth that, and you reminisce with a smile about how your mom would find you anywhere. How you would be in a spot and they'll be like, Regina, your mom's outside. And how it didn't matter where you were or what you did, she was there to save you. And oh, how I wish you were my superhero. And it seems as time passed, things changed, but those remained the same. And you explained about how you got saved and you got out of that gay life because God wasn't into that. Oh, you lived a rough life full of pimps, tricks, and gay girls that wanted to control you. You explained to me about how crazy you are and that nobody fucks with you because they don't want to post up. Seems the only instructions you got right was to be fruitful and multiply. First, by my brother by one of your tricks. The next one by somebody's husband and me by a white guy with a pocket knife that stuck you up and fuck you up while you sold meth pushing a stroller. Spare me the rape victory. And we'd swap stories about who stole from who, you, your uncle, and me, my brother, and we'll sit and compare demons. And now you want to protect me? Now you want to protect me, and you're ready to fight and pull out the burner, and I'm on it, but it's too late. You're too late. Now you're going to apologize and tell me how proud you are of me as I am your daughter because I've done things you couldn't. About how my brother tried to get you high after you've been clean and you explained to me in detail about how much of a junkie he's become. How he stole your phone and left you outside sitting in a wheelchair in the dead of winter. And I could see the sadness in your eyes, the empathy. About how you and my brother swapped jail stories speaking on hits and licks and I gripped my teeth wondering why they've become you. And now I'm sorry because I've been sitting here judging you, but I've realized you lived the life I only read about in those ghetto books, full of drugs and gangs, ghetto plot twists, and I'm the cliffhanger. I'm the part in the back of the book, the three dots, dot, dot, dot. Will she have a relationship with her mother? Will she let her mom die peacefully knowing that she's forgiving? Because it's not about me. It's about forgiveness and redemption because I'm not my brother's keeper, I'm my mother's. How strange is that? How strange is that that I love her? My little ghetto book with no teeth popping off, pushing a walker, and my son loves her at five years old. I think he was more excited to meet her than I was. Woke up in the middle of the night the first day he met her just to say, I love grandma, and I'll follow his innocence, the unconditional love of a child I must share with her. My mom died yesterday, so I called the guy that pretended to care. I wanted somebody that pretended to care but he was busy implementing boundaries and tending to obligations that he was too busy to pretend to care. So as I sit in that seat alone, I realize that nobody cares. Imagining that's how my mom felt slumped back alone in a seat surrounded by nobody caring. Going out alone the same way she came, the same way she sat, 
surrounded by four walls and her thoughts so she chased a higher vibration until she reached a higher power she went straight to god and handed him her salvation Emma Johnson, welcome to The Poets. Thank you for featuring. Hey. Thank, thank you. you for being here today. Um, people will have just heard that last poem, but uh, we were going to talk about your mom. She passed yesterday. Yes. Um, I will say that there's an expectation from people about how we should react in these moments, but you don't seem to be showing maybe the expected reaction. Yeah, um, I think when she first died, I was like, mm, it didn't hit me yet. Mm. And I'm not sure like when it's going to hit me or if it's going to hit me because mm. she's never really been in my life. So it's kind of like being permanently abandoned by someone you're abandoned from. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, you talked about dark humor. Dark humor. And you have a sense, a dark sense of humor. What do you think that comes from um majority of my life was dark <laughs> so i built such a big persona of um the sadness and i just went into the world with funniness like being funny so the things that i went through were dark so being funny and having dark shit it's dark humor but it was definitely a mask when i was younger mm. i kind of like I'm the cute, pretty girl, but like at home, everyone wants to have sex with me. So I go into the street and it's like, don't have sex with me. I'm funny. Mm. I'm it's too fucking funny to the point of annoying God and damn. dark. So this was... is in New York, right? Yeah. You were raised in New York. Yeah. What What was that like as a kid? Like in the city? Um, no, I was in Long Island. Okay. Um, so my 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 mom's sister, who's not her real sister, ra ended up raising me. Okay. Um. I was born, my mom was on drugs, so I was born in the hospital and I stayed in the hospital and for six months and I needed someone to go home to. So someone was trying to adopt me, but her sister was fighting for me and she ended up getting me three years later. So I always make a joke of how like the first three years of my life was fucking awesome and then I got begged to be in the shit show of all my content came from someone saving me. God. It's the things that we ask of kids. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Nope. I don't. I never know how to. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm to awkward too with that shit. That's why we have dark humor because yeah. we don't know how to handle. Yeah. Shit. Thank you for <laughs> being on the show. No, um, I appreciate it. Poetry as therapy. That's something I wrote down while you were reading because you kept saying. Yeah. I think I guess I came to therapy today. Um, how do? You, what do you think about that idea? That idea of expression as a way of dealing with um, the dark. I think that as a child, I felt like I didn't have a voice. So I use poetry as the voice for myself and I use it as a therapy. So that's why I like, I have words with emotion and it's blue cause it's a throat chakra activation. Mm. And um, I just feel like it is a therapy. When we meet all these poets and all these friends, we're all literally going up as adults talking about our trauma. Yeah. And I wish that we could just take that to children and teach them how to talk about their shit so they can grow up and not have to be like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um it's just an it's another way to get it out, you know? Yeah. And maybe nobody maybe you never even share it with somebody, but at least putting it on paper 
mm-hmm. gets it out of your mind. Yeah. Gets you, you're able to actually like, I guess, conceptualize it a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, it moves it out of your body and out of your mind too because you tend to overthink mm-hmm. and then when you can release it to the papers. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you've been writing poetry since you were My whole a life. little kid. Yeah, I've been writing. Well, more so like journaling. I used oh, to journal okay, yeah. all the shit, and I used to write and be like, I'm going to be the motherfucking bestseller, New York Times bestseller. My sh- my life is a shit show. Hey, you got time. So I was like, yeah, this life, these fucking things I'm going through, I'm definitely writing a number one bestseller. Hell yeah. So I always wrote and journaled. A number one bestseller in in poetry, or do you No, I just went, I, it was a book. I knew my life was literally content. I'm like, yeah. But then I eventually started, I was like, whoa, it's giving me good content. That's such a, uh, that's such a strange word, content. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a weird word. Like, I, know, I guess this funny. is content, you know? But like, what are we filling yeah. up? That's always my question. Like, are we just filling up empty space? What is being filled with this content? It's so funny because I say content in the most condescending way because it's like, <laughs> oh my God, great content. So that's why I'm like mimicking the people that are like, like when we're on stage and they're like, oh my God, that was such great content. I'm like, what okay. does that even mean? Yeah. Why can't you just say poetry? It was good poetry. <laughs> it was good poetry. Like, your life sucks so great. Thank you for filling <sighs> in the spaces of the fucking ethers on internet. So when did you start? Do you remember when you first... Actually, no, you do remember when you first started. Because mm-hmm. um, you just showed me the video. Oh, of yeah. The first time that you spoke so, openly in like yeah. front of strangers with poetry. My first open mic was in 2015. It was at a yogurt shop <laughs> it was when those froze froyo places just opened Ooh, um, I want some froyo now. right i had friends they were called renowned art worldwide and mm. they were like young and they just started the shit up and just had it going and it was cool it was 2015 yeah but i've been writing for a long time but i remember having like i've always been before like the internet in a way like i had a blog spot blog spot oh yeah 2009 that's where all my poems were nice and then twitter came out and i remember writing like going into 2010 like fuck twitter took all my words because it condensed it oh, to 120 yeah. <laughs> fucking characters so i stopped writing poetry because i could i was i was the twitter fucking queen damn and i was like well <laughs> now it's up to i don't even know yeah I, but it's up to like but i've been doing this like a long time that's amazing and when did you come to denver i came to denver in november of not last year, the year before. So I've been here a year and change. Okay. Why? What, what brought you out here? Um, God. Look, um, I just heard of, you know, we'd be listening to the voices. And it was like, go to Denver. And I was like, Denver. No, Colorado. I was like, Colorado. Mm. I was like, Colorado. And I was like, Colorado. Mm. So then I played with it because I lived in Maryland for a year. That got me out of New York. Just mm. trained me to be away from people a little bit. And I, I was playing and I... Uh, I put in to like job searches. This is like right at the ending of COVID, kind mm. of when like you you might could have to work now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm gonna put in job searches for Colorado and Maryland, and I got no hits for Maryland. In Colorado, I got so many hits, and I was like, fuck, okay, because I'm going to Colorado. <laughs> that made the choice so for you. I had the job in advance, um, but I didn't know where I was gonna go, and I was six months pregnant with my two kids, and everybody was scared for me. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going. God's telling me to go. I hear abundance, abundance, abundance. And I was like, I'm going. So I was looking for places and I couldn't find anywhere. So I, um, I was like, but I have to find somewhere. And I heard God like, just go. 
So I packed up my car, my two kids, my two cats, and I drove 24 hours from Maryland wow. to here. And I didn't even know where I was going until two hours in. My friend was like, go here. And I called this place and they were like, go here. So I ended up at the gathering place, which okay. is for like um, homeless people. Okay. They have vouchers. I knew they have vouchers for hotels. Yeah. So I ended up getting um, not help from them at that moment. They sent me to the VOE and I got a voucher. And within that month, I was just figuring out um, all the things like doctor's appointments, whatever. And then in the second month, I got my kids in school, started work. And by the third month, I was out of the shelters and I found my apartment. I got an apartment by February 5th. And I always said, I'm going to be home before my baby comes. And she was born on February 21st. So we That's were home. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I can't, that, I mean, that sounds terrifying, honestly, yeah. to just was, pack up and go. It was, but like that whole journey, I feel like I was so provided for. Mm. Like, I think that my whole life, I always felt like I had to do everything by myself. I was in like that quote unquote masculine energy where I was like running. And it was like, when I was in Maryland, I heard like, you can sit down. I'm mm. going to teach you how to sit. So that year I rested. And then I heard like, when I say go, go. But when I went, it was, I was always provided for like, um, I didn't have to pay for anything. So like, I didn't have to pay for a house and then like, um, for a while. And then <clears throat> I ended up getting like grants from my work. Um, the school that my son ended up going to, they gave us like 20 gifts for Christmas for them. Like I literally did not come out of pocket. And then I don't know, it was just so much like I'm teaching you to be open to receive mm. because you're such a giver. So like be open to receive. I'm like, and it's changed like so much of my trajectory. <laughs> I can't, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine like, it oh. has like completely, completely sent you in a yeah. different direction. But that's incredible. Colorado mm. seems to be a place where people can come. I know. I Maybe, love it. Uh, sorry to any people who are born here. Who yeah, are, like, I was like, it's that. just, just, they don't want us. I was like, it's a secret. So they tell people it's cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I pulled up in November with my coat on. It was 80 degrees. <laughs> I was like, it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm part of the problem, too. Right. I came from Washington. So. <laughs> uh, you embody spoken word, I would say. I don't know if you would say that, but in my opinion, I think you embody what spoken word is. So I wanted to ask you, what does that mean? What does that, those two words mean to you in terms of a message or an, an art form? Um, for me, it's one thing when you're like writing in your book, right? And it's just, it's poetry, but like to put your voice out there and like speak your words, but it becomes your voice and your sound so people are hearing you and i know that i've said that to people like oh i hear your poetry and your voice you know mm. so it's like telling your story and not allowing someone else to tell it or someone mm. else to read it and it's just like putting the power behind the words so yeah. like people can feel you and hear you yeah there is a lot of power i mean it's always been something that humans have done the the orators mm -hmm. the the storytellers have always had a a hold over our minds i guess mm. a power for us. Um, let's talk about words with emotion and Ooh. the green space is open mic every uh, Tuesday. If you're in Denver, every, every Tuesday, Tuesday, 6, 6 p.m. at green spaces, it's words with emotion. So I break down the word emotion in a couple of ways. So how I spell it is E-M-O-C-E-A-N. So that's ocean as in water. For me, that's flow. 
Like, that's why it's ocean. It's flow, it's movement, it's like, but then there's also like emotion, just a regular one, and it's like the feeling behind it. Mm -hmm. And then I put like M, because I'm Emma, right? So like words with M, ocean. So there was like so much thought process, but I really put like that blue behind it because it's the throat chakra work. Mm. Um, but I built it because it was already a thought a long time ago, but like it was like all the thoughts and things that came, Denver gave it the place to like make it home. Mm. So like um, come into the Mercury Cafe and like trying to build relationships, but you kind of just pick your favorites and like hope that you can build a, a community with them, you know? And it's so hard because it's so much talent and then we're like tucked into time, you know, yeah. a time constraint. And I felt like with words with emotion, um, I wanted to have a community feeling where like that longing at the end of the night, like we can have that experience. Mm. So it's not just about going up and sharing your poetry and coming off the stage. Like I wanna give a space where people can go up give a piece of their story. Tell us what this means to you. What is this poem about? Not feel time constrained and they can just read their poem or perform their poem and come off and not feel like they have to sit and be quiet. Like I built this like potluck style. So I always say we are not starving artists. We are potluck and poets. <laughs> so usually in the other spaces, you know they have food that you have to pay for, but I thought like, I want us to be a community. Bring your snacks, bring your drinks, bring your food, and we share together. Every time we see each other, we're sharing. So it looks like when you see it, it's people eating together. Mm. It's people conversing and talking and getting to know each other. And it's no disrespect to the artist that's on the stage. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is just what it is. Mm -hmm. We're able to really build community and get to know each other past just the words that are put on stage. Like, how can we like get together and then like when it ends nobody wants to leave yeah. <laughs> and we've been able to like really get to know each other and that's what i like for words with emotion it's the community aspect it's the eating together it's the growing together and i've seen that happening in so many spaces where we're like veering off and building real community past just fucking performing for ourselves because yeah. that's really what it is right yeah. Absolutely. And if people want to see what you're talking about for themselves, go to the Instagram page. You can go to the Instagram page. I'll, I'll link it. Yep. When I put He's going to link it. Where's what? The episode on the website. I can yeah. speak English. Yeah. Emma, thank you so much thank for appearing you. on the show. Thank this you. Awesome. I appreciate you so much. It's a great platform for the poets. <laughs> Is there anything else uh, that you want to shout out before we go? I mean, we got uh, Green Spaces on Tuesday. We have at six. Green, pa green spaces page. on Tuesday at six. We have my Instagram page. I will be having merch soon for Ooh. the poets. Because, you know, we, we want a little poet shirt, some shirts, some cool, funky shirts. And I'll have stickers. And I'm also going to have my own other business called Infinite Abundance. Mm -hmm. So I'll plug that soon. Hell yeah. Stay so tuned, everybody. Stay tuned. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh.